It's a Radical Life, and we have with us Dave Sharon. He is the Executive Director of Street Life Ministries. We wanted to have Dave come on to tell us about Street Life Ministries. So tell us then for Street Life, the things you do for the homeless and what the mission is. We're a church. We're a ministry that gathers at nighttime for dinner. Mm-hmm. Up and down the peninsula, we have three locations, four nights a week, mm-hmm. and we serve over 50,000 meals a year to our folks on the street. You can come if you want to hear the word, that's fine. If you don't, nobody's throwing a Bible in your over your head, and like if you don't come in, you don't get a dinner. I came to Christ because my back was up against the wall, and I knew that there was a place to go to mm. receive Jesus, and that's how we want the ministry to be. Yes. We've noticed that our folks come to us, and they become more our family. They're not a client. They're mm. our brothers and sisters. They're family to us. And so we have some folks that come through the gates. They hear one message, and next thing I know, we're... We're in a car. We're going to a program. Right. Some people have been coming to the ministry for five or six years before they decide, hey. Yeah. Or the other is, is some of our folks have no family. They sign over all their rights to us. So when they, when they die, yeah. I get a phone call. and We can do a, a memorial service for them. Mm. So they die with dignity. Yeah. Where they're the only family they have. Yeah, I just... <laughs> I can. I know that when Rick and I went out at this past Christmas, we got to share. We got to sing a little bit. I know you do music yeah, awesome. for them, and we got to speak and give our testimonies. And I have to say that it was good for me because I think I got maybe a stereotypical thought of homelessness. Mm-hmm. I don't know whatever I was exposed to, what I thought it meant, and who the people were. And they did feel like family. I mean, we were we only spoke, I think, six times total. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I recognized them. They recognized us. And, you know, we were smiling with people. Yeah. And this one lady was talking about how much she loved the Lord. And I thought I thought in my head that it, all homeless people weren't saved, right. you know. So it really helped me, I think, to understand it better. And I just think you guys do an amazing Amazing job. And I know that you also are able to, people volunteer and can help out there too, right? Right. I mean, how do you pay for 50,000 meals? (laughs) Yeah. So, (laughs) yes, indeed. So I have two hats. So Mm -hmm. one hat's the executive director and the other hat's a pastor. Mm -hmm. So uh, during the day, I'm fundraising. I'm working with my admin, Vicki, to find foundations and grants and stuff to raise money. Sure. Because it's not free. Yeah. We're, We're growing. So we want to hire people. We're in California. Yes. And hiring somebody, it's expensive right now. In order to to pay somebody, we have to come up with a pretty good chunk of money to make it feasible for somebody just to even live. Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody's coming to the ministry to try and get rich, but just to be able to help them survive, we have to come up with quite a bit of money for for an employee. And that's without just the expansion part. And then, you know, we have all the paper plates and the forks and the napkins and Mm -hmm. the water and... Um, something that we did since you and Rick were out there that I think you might enjoy is so we have now we have a mobile clothing closet. So coronavirus shut us down. So we weren't able to do because the clothing closet people would line up and they would come through the line and then they would fill out an order and then they would kind of stand to the side and wait for the order to be filled. Well, with our folks, it's hard to to expect them to do the six foot distance. (laughs) Yes. Our folks are very social. So if anybody that hears this podcast that knows anything about homeless people, our homeless people are very social with one another. And so they don't like to be apart. So we had to shut the clothing closet down. Mm. So we decided to take one of our vans, turn it into a mobile clothing closet. So now it's going around doing the clothing. 
and it's something that we're trying to grow into. So now we're looking at a company called Purple Tie in California. It has a van. Okay. It's a dry cleaning company. Right, right. And so they, they've lost a lot of business. So mm. now they're selling their stuff. So they're going to sell us one of their vans for a lower rate. Oh, nice. Um, and it's already outfitted for dry cleaning, which yes. is perfect for us to hang clothes. And it's got the rack so the stuff doesn't fall off and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, anybody who wants to help donate towards that, we're more than yeah. willing to help out Right. And so I did want to say that how can people donate to Street Life Ministry? So if you just go on our website, mm-hmm. uh, www.streetlifeministries.org, mm-hmm. and then just click the, the donation button, and you can either pay through PayPal, you could do a monthly or one-time gift, or right. there's our, our physical office addresses on there. You can write a check. We love PayPal, but you know mm-hmm. they charge a percentage. So right. if you want to write a check where we get 100% of that, yes, then you get a tax letter that's sent out and all that stuff. So it's all, because we're 501c3. So it's right, and right I wanted people to be aware of this. You hear about different organizations. Is it legit to give to them and everything? And I can just assure all our listeners that it's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. I mean, what is the recovery rate? What I was thinking is how hard it would be to get somebody off the streets because it's so expensive to live in the areas. What's that process like to move them up and working and everything? So right now we're partners with City Team, Teen Challenge, uh, Salvation Army. We try to use all Christian recovery. So you partner with other organizations. Right. So we're not a recovery program. We're, oh. we're, we're kind of like the front line. I see. So our folks come to us wounded. Mm-hmm. We develop the friendship. We build the relationship. Nice. And then once they are at that place, like in the first step, to admit that they're powerless over their addiction. Yes. Once they admit that, and then they say, hey, I am willing to do whatever it takes to get help, then we activate one of our local partners that has a recovery program. And then we get them into, we have men and women recovery because they're, you know, they're separate. Yes. And then what they do is they go either Salvation Army is six months, city team is 12 months, and then we hand them off. And basically that's when the process begins. Yeah. And then they have access to housing, you know, whether it be um, state help housing or SLEs where they can help them get a job and they kind of get through the stepping stones. And then in that process, while they're going through the program, we constantly go back and visit. We never break our tie. Right. We're spending a lot of time driving across the bay and doing certain times of the of the month visiting our folks, making sure they know that we, we haven't forgotten about them. Yeah, that, because that's you're our still family, family right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's probably good for the other organizations too because you're giving a good recommendation. You Which know this person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, as best you can, right? That oh, This yeah. guy's saying he's ready and they yeah. don't know these people, but... So one of our caveats that we with the ministry mm-hmm. is we never judge. So I will send 20 to 30 people a year to recovery. Okay. And out of the 20 to 30 people, and I know this is going to sound discouraging, over half of those folks will fail out within 48 hours. Oh. Okay. Now, what we do is when they, I get a phone call automatically when they've left the program. Mm-hmm. And then within a day or so, they'll come to us to have dinner. We don't say, hey, what happened? You know, oh man, you don't ever do that. Uh, what we do is I, myself and our outreach team, we go, look, you know what, Bill or Dave or Tom, mm-hmm. whatever, you know what? It's taken you six months just to accept the fact that you have an issue. Great. You made it through 48 hours. Yeah. That's next time. Cause there is a next time. Yeah. Let's see if we can go a week. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not asking for you to do the 12 months. Let's just see if you can do a week. And you know what? We've noticed there's been more success on their re-entry 
Mm. And they've completing the 12 months and then going on being very successful yeah. with that attitude versus like, oh man, I can't believe you failed. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Listen, we all know when we fail. Yeah. And the last thing you need from us is to remind you that you failed. And you know, I think that's the heart of the father. That's the mm. heart of Jesus. Because when he deals with us and we're constantly going back to our old sins right. or he never is, oh, you didn't make it. Goodness, when we right. come to him, he's never that way. So having the heart of Jesus is so important. Right. I also wanted to ask you about your relationship with the police Mm -hmm. And the value f of them in the community and just city officials and stuff. What are the things that you deal with? Uh, yeah, we, it's just amazing. So we have just this amazing relationship with the police department. The sh so we, we have um, a, a couple agencies yeah. where I live in Redwood City. So we have county and we have city. And we also have the uh, California Highway Patrol. Mm -hmm. So there are three separate entities that all work in the same area. So we have a relationship with all of them. It's really interesting. So our folks who live underneath the clover leaves, the freeway, yes. that's highway patrol. Okay. Right. Okay. So then the campsites that are in the doorways, those are city. Right. And then the folks that kind of live a little on the outskirt are county. So you get the police, the sheriff and the highway patrol. Wow. They're all involved. They're all involved. Yeah. Right. And police department, let's just face it. So it's really interesting. So, you know, their police cars are black and white. Well, most of them are taught through the economy, a black and white system. There's no gray. Mm. Well, we're the gray. Mm. And so we've given them a gray. And so what's happened is, is that instead of always having to lock somebody up, what they do is they, Hey, would you be willing to meet with pastor Dave? Would you be meet, willing to meet with his wife, Sean? Because we have an opportunity instead of just bringing you to jail, because we've already done this several times. Right. And we know that's not going to work. Right. And then they call us mm -hmm. and then we go out. We'll go right there to wherever they're at. Yeah. And we meet with them and we talk to the police officer and they say, hey, I, I think this guy or this girl is ready. So we start our conversation with them and they may or may not be ready. Yeah. But you know what? It also makes the police have more of a softer side. It's not all about authority, authority, arrest and to right. jail. Right? right. So it makes them look good. Yes. Right. And it also helps us. And then what ends up happening is, is their bosses, the city council recognize that. So they feel good knowing that they have an avenue. And I have a really good relationship with our city council. Mm -hmm. Let's face it. The city's pushed by their constituents, which are the businesses. Sure. So they, they don't, don't want, want all of them around. Right. Yeah. They don't. And, but what does the city do? The city only has really one avenue. Let's, well, we got to call the police. Mm -hmm. Well, instead of doing that, Hey, let's just call street life ministries and see if there's anything we can do. And you know what we do is we try to find, okay, I always kind of, Tell them, okay, so where is the safe place? Hmm. So, okay, we know that sleeping right in front of the library is not going to work. Yeah. Where can it work? Mm -hmm. And we all kind of just, well. You're asking that question to who? The police and stuff? <laughs> the yeah. police, right? Okay, you guys, where can they live? <laughs> right. And they're kind of like, well, I can't really tell you. Right. As they're, as they're kind of pointing <laughs> over around the corner. I can't really tell you, but if, if we could just keep this spot clean. Yeah. Then we'll probably be good. We're probably a lot better. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And at least we all kind of know, mm -hmm. right? But then I think also for the homeless people, it makes them feel a little bit more loved because they actually realize that you've got the police there, you've got the pastor there, you've got the county there. I mean, everybody's are trying to help. Do they feel safer then too, I would think? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, because I would think being out in the street, I don't care who you are, it can't be an easy, safe place to be. So without going into any kind of gory details? yeah. Being homeless is probably the roughest life 
right. a person can live, especially if you're female. I was just going to say, I've heard stories in Florida even that women just absolutely scared to death. She can't imagine being out uh, on they, the streets. They, they have to put themselves in a compromised position all the time mm. to stay safe. And wow. usually the person that they're in that compromised position to keep them safe isn't healthy. And so it's, it's a really tough situation. Yeah. One of the reasons why I asked you about the police was because when we were there, was it the sheriff's family? It was Christmas Eve and they wanted to serve. And so they brought the food that so night. That was the chief of police. Oh, the chief of police's his family, family yeah. wanted to serve yes. for Christmas. And the chief of police brought his whole entire family. Yes. I couldn't believe it. It, it was, was amazing. so awesome. So him and his wife have been supporters of street life for years. Mm-hmm. And he called me and said, hey, do you think I could bring my family out to serve? And I thought when he said, can I bring my family? I thought it was just a right. son and a daughter. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize he was bringing his family. His whole family. Yeah, and, um, they were all was, there. Oh, yeah. And he goes, well, we're an Italian family. You know, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is." But it was incredible. Yes, it was. And they, they just loved it. And yeah. I was, it was, and to me... You know, it's really interesting because I get kind of a, a, a giggle out of it because really most of the people that are on the street, they don't know that the chief of police and his wife are serving them dinner. No. But I do. Yeah, yeah. And I just think you guys <laughs> have no idea that the people that some people right. want to hate on yes. are actually some of the most loving people in the world. Yes. And they really do care. And our chief in Redwood City, he was born and raised in that area and he just loves his community and he wants to give back. And he does, he's one of those quiet servant type kind of guys. Yeah. Doesn't really boast or brag about anything like that. He just kind of does it. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's cool. That really warmed my heart. And I think you have a lot of people in the area that give the food, right? They, do they purchase the food? How is the food purchased? Because you have a waiting list even for people who want to serve food, don't you? Yeah. So I don't want to discourage anybody that listens to this and wants to volunteer. But yeah, right now we've got about a six-month waiting list to to serve. You know, it's really interesting. About 10 years ago, I couldn't beg people to come serve. Right. And I don't know what happened. It was God, whatever it was. It has to be. Because now we have like a six-month waiting list for people to come serve at the ministry. So this is a whole other situation. So what happened was, is we have a, an organization called Peninsula Food Owners that normally picks all the food up from these tech companies like Facebook, oh, Google. Yes. Well, coronavirus came. And when coronavirus came, we lost all of our donations. And so I looked at our freezers. We had enough food to last us two weeks. Wow. And the coronavirus was obviously wasn't going anywhere in two weeks. Yeah. Was, this was going to hit. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what do I do? So I sent out an email to all 32 churches that said, help support us. Next thing I know, I'm asking other churches if we can borrow their freezers to hold the food. Oh, wow. That was unbelievable. And then when the virus shut down, uh, was, I think we were on our 30th day mm-hmm. when it was on our shutdown, we started hearing about restaurants hurting. There was no stimulus or nothing going out at the time, and restaurants were hurting. Yeah. And a bunch of people started doing GoFundMe accounts. And what we did was we started buying food from the restaurants to support the restaurants. Oh, nice. So they could keep going. And through that partnership, we've developed a really good relationship with these restaurants mm. that now that a lot of them are open, we're going to continue to keep that relationship. But we've, got a, we've got a GoFundMe account right now. So if you donate through our ministry, it goes into a... All you have to do is there's a spot where you can label it and it'll say restaurant. Yes. You click that restaurant and it, my um, admin knows as a, she's also our bookkeeper. So she puts it over to that section. Oh, nice. So we're going to continue to keep supporting these restaurants in our, in Redwood City and Menlo Park and Palo Alto. 
uh, California. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like to see these stories where, because we think doom and gloom a lot. I mean, there is a lot of pain out there with what's going on, but God is using oh, that. And yeah. you wouldn't have had those connections with those restaurants unless you were going through this, but God showed you a way to connect with them and yeah. figure that out. Then you'll have even more people and more and you're helping. And vice versa, because the restaurants actually, once we reached out to them, they didn't realize who we were. And once they realized who we were, they're like, oh, wait a minute. Like I can actually cook that for this amount. Uh, you right. know, so they're, they're giving mm. us like a crazy discount on their food. And now that they're starting to actually start to open back up, I heard San Mateo County just closed again, but as they're opening back up, mm-hmm they are continuing to keep up the pace because a lot of their food is freezable and we have freezer space. So what they're doing is they're producing food that we can freeze. Yeah. So we're buying it a couple of weeks in advance. Nice. So it's no pressure on them, Yeah. but it's keeping a, a cash flow coming in. Yeah. And it's, like I said, it's serving our folks and our folks are eat. Let me just tell you, there's, there's no, they're eating some good food. <laughs> <They're eating> some- <laughs> We have some five-star restaurants. Oh, I'm so happy for them. Yeah. Every now and then, like Sean will tell me, oh, bring some home for Isaiah and I. Yeah. And, and I, I bring some home. And it's like literally like some of the most wow. amazing food. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is. Yes. I mean, it's not like eating canned beans oh, and, no, or whatever. No, nobody's eating fried beans oh, and rice. Oh my gosh. It, it, I just think how God just overlooks those who are in need. He sees yeah. that. and. When it talks about him blessing, that's an overabundance of blessing that you would never expect. And maybe like they don't even know how good it is. So it's happened to right in front of my face, probably about a dozen or so times where I've shown up at the ministry. And so the way the ministry runs is a lot of our folks are on government assistance. They get like an EBT card, okay, which is for groceries and Mm -hmm. stuff. And some of them get SSI money. Their SSI money is about 600 to 800 dollars for the whole month yeah and their their food stamp card i think it's like a hundred dollars for the whole month right and that's not a lot Mm -hmm. to live off of even if you're homeless and have no overhead well and especially in the bay area it's nothing exactly Mm -hmm. and and let's also face it if you're also feeding a drug habit right because the ebt card now is not a food stamp it's not actual food stamp vouchers it's an ebt card that they can withdraw money oh so if they go into the store and they want cash back they can take cash back so it goes faster right Mm -hmm. so i show up at the ministry normally the first of the month our numbers are really low because everybody's cards and ebt cards are all filled yes middle of the month it starts to pick up and then the end of the month we're like crazy especially if there's a fifth week Mm -hmm. in the month oh right we're really stacked up Mm -hmm. right and there's been times where I've seen the van show up and I look at the back and I see like two trays of a main dish and two trays of side dishes. And I'm like, and I look at the line. I'm like, there's like 120 people standing in line. And I start to panic. Like, oh my I gosh. I don't have I, enough food. I, I'm thinking I'm going to have to go to McDonald's and go buy like 100 cheeseburgers yeah, or something like yeah. that. And I'm praying. And next thing I know, people are coming in and I'm like looking at the faces and they're like getting their second plate. I'm like, there's not enough food for two. And the server will say, no, he's in his, getting his third plate. Like, how did that happen? Yeah. We didn't have enough food to feed him the first time. Right. And now we're feeding thirds. I've seen this happen in the ministry where God has multiplied our food right before my eyes in ways. Wow. Yeah. He loves what we're doing. Yeah. He, he loves does. the homeless. He loves them. He loves them. I mean, I mean, of course he loves you. You're serving him and everything, but he loves them. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And they're just stuck in their addiction. And they're... Yeah. This one lady that I talked to there, 
or she says hi because she recognized me because we were there a couple times and she goes i'm just having a good day and i'm like really and she goes yes I got to sleep in the post office out of the rain. I've just had a really good night. And yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that was her good day. And she was praising the Lord for that. It was such a small, I mean, a, not a small thing for her, you know, to, to be able to not sleep in the rain was huge. And yeah. God took care of that need and she was giving him credit for it. This is interesting because there's been times where since I accepted Christ, I've never, oh, I wonder what it would be like to go use again. Oh. There's been times where I'm like thinking to myself, gosh, I wonder, wonder how drugs are out there. I wonder how it's getting. Yeah. You know? And then I'll have somebody come to the ministry just so high on meth. Mm. And it's like, I feel like, like that message there kind of gives you a sense of like, I don't know how you were feeling that day on your gratitude list. Yeah. What were you grateful for that day? And then you hear this woman tell you that she was just happy that she got to sleep in the post office. Right. It just humbled me. Exactly. And I'm, there's times where I look at some of our folks that are really, really high on meth and meth was my downfall. Yeah. Right. And I think to myself, you know what? Mm-hmm. I am so glad. Right. I mean, I, I'm, I'm heartbroken to see this person have to go through what they're going through, mm-hmm. but it's a reminder to me to stay the course. And when you hear those stories about, they're just glad to be able to have a post office's floor to sleep on. Right. I think to myself, gosh, this is complaining about how my bed is uncomfortable. (laughs) And she comes along talking about, I know I got to sleep in the post office out of the rain. I'm thinking my bed's not that bad. (laughs) I know. And do we, even when we have our blessings, even thank God, because she was thanking him and we have so much and we hardly even remember to thank him for what we have so i I would encourage our listeners to help out in your local homeless shelters or maybe you can get some ideas that some of our shelters you know around the country might be able to use some of your ideas so here's some ideas i'd like to just throw out okay for for your listeners one is as you kind of mentioned this earlier about donations yes so i'm a huge advocate about not handing out money people who live on the street. Yes. I urge anybody who hears this podcast, I urge you and to tell your friends to stop handing out money. Most homeless people are just like anybody else. When you go to buy real estate, what does the real estate agent tell you? Location, location, location. <laughs> right. A homeless person knows exactly where to go panhandle. Mm-hmm. They're making anywhere between 150 to $200 a day trying to feed a habit. Right. A drug addiction of some kind. I, I, I urge people to, to not hand out cash right. and to find a place like a Street Life Ministries, a Salvation Army, a Victory Outreach, a Teen Challenge, something like that, um, that you know that when you give them $20 or $50, that it's going to feed. Like if you gave Street Life Ministries $50 a month, that $50, I could feed almost 100 people with that $50. Wow. You give $50 to somebody that you know is in their drug addiction, it's going to get them high one time and they could die. Right. What I do suggest people do is, and all the stores have them now, as you go in there, they have these huge kiosks where you can buy a, like a $20 Chipotle card, mm-hmm. a $10 Subway card or a Starbucks card or whatever. Buy those. Yeah. When you see somebody panhandling at a light signal or you're at, or they're standing out in front of your local grocery store, talk to them, say hi. Yeah. Say, Hey, you know, I don't have a lot of time. You know, I'm, I'm running into the store really quick, but I want to give this to you and just give them a food card. Mm-hmm. They're going to use the food card. When I was in my drug addiction, when I was panhandling, somebody gave me 20 bucks. I wanted to go eat. I really did. I wanted to go to Subway. I wanted to go to Burger King and get something to eat. But the drug addiction was so strong right. that I would always go to the dealer's house and go get high. Mm-hmm. Give me a food card. What choice do I have? 
now I'm going to go eat. And they will. They will go eat. So how can a homeless person, if you gave them a food card for Olive Garden, how can they use something like that? Doesn't it need to be a food card that's... Yeah, let's be practical. <laughs> right. That's, you know, so think about this. So here's a, a trick with Starbucks. Mm-hmm. I tell all of my folks that live on the street, you buy a large or you buy a small, that's all you get. You buy a medium, it's free refills. Oh, so, and that's Pete's coffee as well. Okay. Okay. Now, during the winter time, when you have a cup of coffee sitting in front of you, you're a customer. They can sit there all day. They can be on their Wi-Fi. They can plug their phone in and get their phone charged. Mm-hmm. They can be in from the outdoors. All day. All yeah. day. Yeah. So you're not just providing them with a hot cup of coffee, but a place to go rest. Yes. During the day. Yes. Olive Garden, most of our folks... Not only are they not going to be welcome in, right. but the, even if they are welcome in, they're going to feel so out of place. Mm-hmm. So I don't like McDonald's. I don't like fast food. Yeah. But guess what? Mm-hmm. It, it's still food. And it's a place for our folks to go. Right. And, and they can go in there and they can be in there and they can hang out. And I will tell you, most of those places are very, very warming and welcoming to our folks on the street. That's nice. Burger King, McDonald's, Carl's Jr. and all them, they're very welcoming to the homeless community. Well, I mean... It's coronavirus. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a little harder so, now. Yeah. I, I, you know, I say all this stuff not remembering that we're in this virus. Yeah, but, but we're going to be out of it someday. We so, will. God has yeah. is, got is, yes, He's is. doing something with we're it right now, that, for sure. So. But yeah, I would say practical food cards mm-hmm. are, are really good. And you know, the other thing is too, is that we, so if you go on our website, we have a video and then it's on how to give help. We have a little video in there, how to make a toiletry kit. So a toiletry oh, kit nice. is basically a small shampoo and conditioner, soap, a razor, a pair of socks. Um, and we put them in a, like a two gallon Ziploc bag. So I have probably about 50 of them in, in the backseat of my car. Mm-hmm. And I urge everybody to put them in the backseat of their car. And when they are driving through a light signal and they see somebody with a sign, you hand them a toiletry kit. Oh, that's good. And they're always going to use it. Now, here's something that's a reality check for everybody. Mm-hmm. Feet are very important. Socks. Socks. Yes. You cannot give enough socks socks. out. And we go to the Dollar Tree or we go to Big Lots or whatever. And we just buy those little Gold Bond foot powder medication things. And we we hand out thousands of those every month to our folks on the street. They're the most important. Because remember, our folks, they walk a lot. They need fresh pair of socks. They need something dry on their feet. Sure. If you're going to give anybody something that's really Mm -hmm. saying, I love you, is a toiletry kit. Nice. And we're, as a society, I think most of us, especially anybody who goes to Starbucks enough, we've got plenty of money to give. Mm -hmm. But to take the time to put a toiletry kit together and then hand that out, that really says You can always put a Bible in it too or... Oh, I I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I use this thing called from Track World. Yeah. I buy tons of tracks. Yeah. So I'm always throwing tracks in them. Yeah. That's great. Well, Dave, thank you so much. Um, I even learned a lot. I thought I knew a lot of what you guys did. Again, to all our listeners, this is an amazing ministry and Mm. it's legit. And they just share the heart of Jesus with these people every night. Every night of the week, yep. So please donate and give to them. Street Life Ministries, thank you for all you do for us. Thank you so much, Robin. God bless you. Living a radical life for Jesus is taking care of the homeless. It's a radical life. Woo! Radical life.